You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and we are continuing a discussion that we've been having on static stretching. We talked a little bit about it last week. We've got two episodes this week. We're going to talk about it as well. We're going to talk about it in regards to two things. Today, it's going to be on pain relief. So when you've got this pain, pain, it's going to hurt forever. Let's hope not. Or maybe not if you static stretch. So let's look at some of the data, some of the information about static stretching when it comes to pain. All right, here we go. There's a great study that was done in the Journal of Clinical Rehabilitation. Uh, It's 2016, and it was a randomized controlled trial of 96 subjects, and it was folks that had neck pain, and they've been experiencing neck pain for Uh, up to and more than three months. So that was the requirement. Your neck had to hurt for three months and or more. And so they had 96 people, moderate to severe neck pain. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this was informative to me because when it comes to neck pain, when it comes to neck pain, I don't do a lot of stretching. Um, As a massage therapist, I may do a little bit of manual work, uh, but I don't do a lot of stretching. And the reason why is I do concern about instability in the neck, not being overly tight in the neck. So I don't do a lot of it. But but this study is uh, giving me pause and perhaps a reconsideration. So what they did is they brought in the 96 participants and they gave everybody a brochure. Here's an informative brochure about how to sit properly at your desk and and good ergonomics and how that can be applied to how you work and how you live at your desk every day. Here's a pamphlet. Now, the treatment group, the intervention group, received said pamphlet also, but they also got instructions on how to perform neck stretches and shoulder stretches around the neck And they were instructed to do these exercises two times a day, five days a week for four weeks. So here are several stretches, do them two times a day, five days, uh, a week for four weeks. And here's what happened. Both groups had pretty comparable baseline uh, data. This is how much everybody hurt. And they have different scales that they do measurements on. And these are the pain scales. And here's how you measure it and quantify it. So they similar in the beginning, similar data, and then all the outcomes improved significantly from baseline. So the brochure group also had significant improvement. So what does that mean? Great improvement just by teaching people how to sit and position themselves better and to be in a more ergonomically supportive position. That's good news. But when compared to the groups that had the intervention, there were significantly greater outcomes in this treatment group versus the control group. And here's what we looked at. Uh, We, again, I didn't do this study, but here it is. Compared with the patients who performed less than three times exercises, the stretches less than three times a week, the ones who did greater than or equal to three times a week 
yielded significantly greater improvement in neck function and a physical dimension quality of life scores. So the takeaway here is that regular stretching exercise program performed for four weeks can decrease neck and shoulder pain and improve neck function and quality of life for office workers who have chronic, moderate to severe neck and shoulder pain. All right. Well, I'm not somebody that usually does stretches for the neck. So now that I'm I'm reading, the, and, and let me take that back. I do assessments. And if I see somebody with a tight movement, right? So they're, let's go chin to chest. Let's look up at the ceiling. Let's rotate right. Let's rotate left. Side bend, right side. If I see places where they are limited, then I will give them instruction on, okay, this is your limitation. This is like the muscle that's causing that limitation. And I will have them do some type of self-administered massage and then stretch. So I won't say I, I, I don't do any stretches, uh, but I do an assessment to find out what stretches need to be done. Now, these were generalized stretches for people with neck pain and uh, um, not specific, not like, oh, based on that, this is... Um, uh, you know, your, uh, levator scapula is really tight or your scalenes or something. You didn't get that. You just got a generalized stretching program and it worked. It helped to mitigate pain significantly over the people that got brochure. And even the people who had the brochure on how to sit taller and sit better and sit ergonomically was significantly better than their baseline. So, uh, that's a, that's a solid progress. Let's, uh, let's look at another one, stretching versus manual therapy and treatment of chronic neck pain. And this is a randomized controlled trial that took place. And the goal for this is just to compare the effects of manual treatment versus stretching on neck pain. And so this I like because it's a randomized controlled trial. It's a uh, examiner is blinded in their crossover trial. They had 125 women with nonspecific neck pain. Outcome, both stretching and exercise, uh, stretching exercises and manual therapy considerably decreased neck pain and disability in women with non-specific neck pain. The difference in effectiveness between the two treatments was minor. However, one of them is free. <laughs> and so like, yes, massage feels good. Having tight muscles worked on by somebody else, that feels great. But based on the outcomes, they're very similar to what the outcomes of static stretching are. And let's be honest, paying somebody to massage your neck is expensive. And convincing a significant other to massage your neck is impossible. So stretch your neck. And that's found to be really nice. Uh, when it comes to this. Also, let's be honest, this is something that we as personal trainers can provide for people. We can't put our hands on people. So what does that mean? That means that what we do helps. I don't have to put my hands on you. I don't have to do manual work and I can help you get similar outcomes as many treatments based on this study, based on this population, based on what these examiners found in this randomized controlled trial, but you can get good outcomes by helping people stretch. You don't have to put your hands on them. You don't have to do the, the work. And we as personal trainers were constantly like, oh man, I really want to 
I want to do this and it's outside of my scope of practice, but I think it really helps. And let me tell you something, doing something outside of your scope of practice is probably not worth it, especially putting your hands on and around somebody's neck. So I would say just stay in your lane. And if you decide that you want to go and do manual work, then you can go back to school for massage therapy. I did that. Uh, it was very valuable to me, but uh, you can also go back for physical therapy. You can go back and do a hands-on uh, licensure or with similar outcomes, at least with neck pain, you can help them do stretches and get very similar outcomes. All right, well, that's with the neck. What about the low back? I think that's one that we we probably have clients experience a lot. So Hadafi et al. 2021, the effects of static stretching on hip range of motion pain and disability in patients with low back pain. And so what they did is they had 30 females with nonspecific low back pain, two groups, intervention group and a control group. This intervention group, uh, they received three stretches. I know I held up two fingers. Here we go. Three stretches to practice uh, each of these stretches several times a week over the course of eight weeks. And there's a, there's a low back questionnaire that they answered, and that gives a baseline for their pain. There's a visual analog scale, gives a baseline again for their pain. And then there are range of motion tests. So PROM, passive range of motion. And these three tests were put in there pre and then post. So before we do the intervention and after we do the intervention. And the control group, they were done before the study started, after the study started, but they didn't receive any treatment. So here's the takeaway on this one here. Uh, and I'm going to read you the, the conclusive statement here. Quote, in the present study, the experimental group was uh, received the stretching intervention program and performed it for eight weeks, three sessions a week uh, on even days. While the control group did not receive any intervention, the stretching interventions programs were performed for approximately 20 minutes per session. Uh, one stretch, modified Thomas test position. Second stretch, modified a launch stretch. Um, the third one is a lifting leg while lying prone with a bent knee. And the fourth one, lifting leg um, in a prone position with a straight knee. So all the stretches, 30 seconds, performed uh, for 10 repetitions with eight seconds in between. Here was the outcome. The results demonstrated a significant difference in PROM, so passive range of motion, in pain and disability after eight weeks of stretching exercises and participants had non-specific low back pain and limited hip extension. These were almost exclusively hip extension exercises. Therefore, it would be reasonable to infer that uh, non-specific low back pain might be partly related to tight hip flexors. And with that said, so there were four stretches, all four were hip flexor stretches. So maybe that's a part of it. Um, here's what's interesting is that none of these studies did they do a pre and post assessment to see if they had tight muscles. They just said, let's do a study and stretch your hip flexors if you have low back pain. Uh, and there was quality outcomes with this with 15 people. So it's a, 
it's not a great number, but you know, this is why you get meta-analysis. So you get this group's 15 and this group's 20 and this group's four and this group, and you kind of put them all together for a, a large study that gives you more data. But they're not creating the interventions. They're not doing the interventions based off of an assessment. That's where you come in handy and where your outcomes are valuable. We get to assess it and identify a tightness and then stretch based on that tightness. Um, you get good outcomes here, but I think you're going to get better outcomes if you identify real restrictions and then go and work on those range of motion. Um, now, here's another thing. As personal trainers, we don't really address pain. Now, we might address pain like, hey, do the squat and your knee hurts. Well, let's try to squat this way. Let's do a few stretches. Let's do a few things. Now squat again. Oh, it feels a lot better. In fact, that's something that I did just today with a client who had uh, her left knee was bothering her. Zero hands-on things. I did not put my hands on in order to do massage treatment. I gave a few things for her to do in order to stabilize at the hip and ankle. And immediately the next set of cable squat to row. I remember, I remember the exercise. She immediately felt better after doing some hip stability work and some posterior tibialis work that I had her do. Immediately she was like, I feel so much better. Great. Now, as a personal trainer, my goal isn't to um, get you out of pain. However, my ultimate goal is I want you to move without pain, and I'm addressing movement deficiencies. I was addressing, well, when you do this, the knee is internally rotating and slightly adducting, and you're having a hard time maintaining that. So what I do is I'm identifying movement, and by addressing the movement, it can address and mitigate pain, and in this instance, it did. So... I don't want people to hurt, but I can't do treatment for pain. I do treatment for movement that therefore helps pain. I hope you've followed that. And I, um, I think it's worthwhile that trainers know that's important to stay in our lane and that our job is not um, therapeutic when it comes to pain. However, we can provide support in the world that we work within, which is... Uh, movement assessment and stretching and strengthening. And that's where this comes in really handy. Owen et al. 2020. Uh, this was this is a good study. Which specific modes of exercise training are most effective for treating low back pains? A meta-analysis with, let's see, what's my number? 5,578 subjects. And <laughs> that, my friends, is the adding up of all the individual studies until you get a really big study. And what they did, there were uh, 70 people in the study that had pain, 63 loss of function, 16, there were some mental health uh, addresses to be done. And then four of the studies were on uh, trunk muscle strength. And all of this was done to uh, help to identify what are some of the best ways for exercise that has the highest probability to help to control for some of these things. And here was the answer. So they weren't, they weren't really, really solid in the, um, 
the outcomes of the study, like not the the best pool of data to pull from, but they did find that when they controlled for things that uh, there were several things that were pretty good for pain. Uh, Pilates was was good. Let's see what else. Um, Pilates, stabilization and motor control, resistance training, aerobic exercises were the most effective treatments. I thought that was pretty good. What? On low quality evidence that all of these were very good for non-specific low back pain. But what else? What else is pending the outcome of interest? Exercise training, I love this one. Exercise training may be more effective than therapists' hands-on treatment. I love that one. Why? Because you are exercise professionals. I mean, so are therapists, and they do a lot of exercises, but exercise may be more beneficial for assisting with that nonspecific low back pain than, than the therapists who are putting their hands on. That's very important to point out. So flexibility um, was not specifically mentioned in there. However, when you look at uh, things like Pilates, it's very good at core stabilization and motor control, which is the second thing that they said, but it's also a lot of active flexibility that was in there. So we've got another one. Here it is, last one for this one. Um, Shamshi at all 2020, static stretching and strengthening exercises in a lengthened position when it comes to balance and low back pain. And basically the takeaway is static stretching exercises were more effective than muscle strengthening exercises in lengthened positions for improving dynamic balance in low back pain patients with hamstring tightness, which I do like because these people had clinically been diagnosed with hamstring tightness and therefore were put into this group. So I love it when there is a diagnosis. They say, yes, you have tight hamstrings. Now let's address the hamstrings as opposed to let's just stretch the hamstrings. These people clinically tight hamstrings. And here's the thing, when there is a tightness, it is hard to strengthen through blocks in range of motion. So to provide newfound ranges of motion and then the, to strengthen within those ranges of motion, I think are very valuable and it's a solid takeaway for us as fitness professionals. So what do you say about, oh, and there's some other uh, studies which I did not pull up, but I did read about patellofemoral pain and their stretches, some static stretching that showed significant benefits with people with knee pain. But we get a lot of folks with neck and low back pain. And we do see that static stretching and a, uh, a stretching program, we're very good at helping people with uh, and mitigating some of that low back pain, the neck pain. But we also see that in other parts of the body as well. All right. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. You got questions for me that you'd like for me to answer, then please shoot me an email, rick.richie at nasm.org, or you can DM me on Instagram at dr.rickrichie. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family, and keep influencing people and inspiring people so that they can be, become fitter versions of themselves. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.